All right, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. Show. <laughs> Not a program, it's a show. <laughs> I am your host, David Littlejohn, joining me in studio as almost always. Katie Shook. Hey, sometimes it's me and not you. That's why I say I'm oh. your host today, but sometimes <laughs> Katie is your host and Dave is nowhere to be found. Yeah, sometimes Katie takes over. I will tell you that come August, I will be out of area. I know. I was thinking about that too. I was like, I know. Oh, I got to find some fun special guests for our radio special show. Special guests are totally Welcomed. welcome. Yeah. So, uh, in fact, we're working on a handful of guests, and this is kind of an interesting one. I will extend the offer to people. The on the offer is that uh, if you are an industry professional around or near the financial field. Uh, this is not a paid commercial. So if you think to yourself, I'm going to get on here and be a commercial. No. no. Wrong. What it is is if you have uh, particular insight or ways that we can help educate our listeners, give them some, uh, some morsels that they can take away. Right. That's I, the I'll idea. I'll extend it then, a little bit different, too. If you're a business owner, mm -hmm. um, you know, like you said, honor around the financial. And I'm thinking, well, most business owners, owners touch money, right? Like they have to deal with sure. the financials of it. And. I think well, I'm guilty of this. I would say I love entrepreneurs in general, and so me too. I would encourage folks if you're an entrepreneur and you are uh, interested in talking shop, then let us know because we may just be interested in having you on the show to explore. Maybe it's an idea that you're working with, or maybe it's how you are uh, taking something and conjuring it up from the ether, right? Uh, which entrepreneurs have to do. It's, we do. It's literally oftentimes, hey, you know, here's this pile of nothing, and you need to make something. Well, right? how so, it feels to wear many hats with one head. Yep. It's it's the alchemist theory. So anyhow, that's a fun one. Uh, and yeah, I, I would say if, you, if you're interested, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, also, if you find yourself overwhelmed by the financial world, for some reason, folks oftentimes are intimidated by this, or this is the one that gets me is folks that believe that, well, I never contact someone for financial help because I'm I don't have enough. And I um, so will I know, and it's amazing what that here. imaginary number is in their head. Right, right. Like, oh, I don't have a million dollars sitting in a checking account, so I'm not worthy of a financial advisor. And I'm like, right. yeah, I don't know many of our clients that actually have that in the first place. So, yep. Yeah. So if you're making money and want to save money, then you need a financial advisor. That's the thing. And so we, and remember, you don't go to a financial professional because you're already rich. You work with one because that's the path you want yeah, to go you toward. you want to be rich and yes. stay rich. <laughs> so, so <laughs> we we really do try to work with folks as part. Of, so this is the difference too. There's asset management, and I think this is probably one of these. Tune in, everybody, right now. Listen, if you're not paying attention, uh, the financial industry has a couple of different pathways, and one of them you need to understand is that asset management is far and away the biggest, most influential on the investment side of things. Everybody wants to manage your investments for you. Sure, let's talk about your retirement plan so that you will let us manage it for you. Right. Even Vanguard wants your money. Right. They want it invested and they want to make a couple of pennies off of your thousands of dollars. You know, they do it for very inexpensive, right? They're a very affordable way to access the investment markets and they're very formulaic in nature. That's part of what makes them affordable, right? It's a highly templated business to work with Vanguard. That doesn't make Vanguard bad, by the way, but that's their value proposition. They want you to invest with them. Yeah, because okay? by the way, I don't know anybody that does it for free. 
Yeah, no, there, there's a cost like, associated with all of it. So uh, if you're getting it for free, it's because it's not it, somebody else is giving away something of theirs to you. Okay, oh, that's it's not free to them. They're paying the cost for you. And so there's that's, usually that's how a way that they're getting reimbursed somewhere along the line, or hopeful. Or maybe they're giving back. I mean, I, I will say that our office uh, occasionally we take on somebody in the form of just we just want to see somebody succeed. We're never going to make any money doing it, and that's okay. We just know that this is a person that we feel passionate about helping them succeed, and so that's we try. True. No, that's we we true. step in and we help. It's and in that case, we made the choice at our cost to help. Right. And that happens a lot. And in fact, what happens a lot for financial managers, again, the investment managers, is they will give advice away as a way to attract you to use their services. Well, okay? and, and a way to earn your trust, right? Like, it's like, well, a lot of people don't want to buy something if they don't know what they're buying. Right. So sometimes now, uh, giving some of that is a way to... Right, but here's the trick question. Did they really give it away? Mm. Or was it an in-kind trade for marketing? Right? Explain be, a little bit more. I'm, Explain that a little bit Yeah, further. Am I being semantic on this one? I don't think so. Because what they're doing is they're saying, we're willing to front the cost of acquiring you as a customer by giving you stuff that if you do not become a customer will have cost us our time and resources. But if you do become a customer, we will recoup what we spent to recruit you as a customer. Okay. Okay. This is the same thing when you get a coupon in the mail, right? Coupon in the mail, come become a customer of ours at a discount, and then it creates a transaction that wouldn't have existed otherwise if you weren't going to go in at all. So it's a less profitable transaction, but it is a transaction that would not have occurred otherwise, and therefore it is improved margins by volume, right? It's by virtue of more of the transactions. Right. So this is the idea of, if you've ever heard the expression, we'll make it up on volume, right? Uh, that is, again, a sort of a vanguard philosophy. We won't charge very much, but we'll get lots and lots of people in the boat. Right. And there's a weird, um, for business owners that have gone from being self-employed and kind of starting on their own to growing, there's a weird sweet spot, right? Like sometimes when you're small, it's easier to have like a living expenses and stuff when the, the business is small, but sometimes in the growth process, oh, the there's like an in-between spot where it costs a lot and you're not really earning more. It just costs more. And you kind of got to get over that hill to where then you start getting it. Yeah. Do, you, do you understand? Maybe no, no, you can the, clarify yeah, that this a little is a bit really, better. It's a very good what point. I'm saying. This is a very good point about there, there are these earnings optimization areas for businesses. Sometimes the small operator, uh, and maybe construction is a good way to think about it. You know, you just have a, a contractor with a couple of folks that work with them, and they're able to go out there and keep jobs flowing re relatively steadily. They've got the next one lined up before they finish the current one. And so they make a pretty decent living because they're always working. But then they decide to grow, and they go from being two or three folks to being 15 people. So let's use it in the form of houses, right? Instead of building one house at a time, they're building three houses at a time. Right. But, but the issue now is that you have to keep more people busy more of the time. It makes it logistically more complex, and you're spending a lot more money on all of the moving parts. And so you as the business owner may not actually improve your margins. 
Right. Like you may not be making more right. as the business owner. You just and, have and, more work and more headache. And then there's <laughs> a funny thing where you go from the 15 person crew to the 200 person crew. Right. And you're doing entire developments now. And so you go in and you bid out to build 200 houses at a whack. And then you've got multiple projects and you're dealing with a much grander scale and you're buying materials on a much grander scale. And you really transition from being a retail to an institutional operator right so retail to wholesale kind of right and so at that point there starts to be some margin again for you as the business owner because you now operate at a different scale and a different price point and so things start to shift uh, i heard this analogy a lot of the time with uh, truck operators like the single operator of a log truck can do okay but the person that owns five log trucks that owner uh, they're, if they're an operator and trying to run everybody else, there's, they don't make any more money than if they were working by themselves. It's not until they get like 20 guys working for them that they start making more money again, which is way more complex. Right. Like you said, everything. And the harder part, too, I think sometimes for small entrepreneurs, right, especially if you started off on your own, and you can kind of speak to this a little bit because our office has grown over the years, yeah. is that um, giving up control, right? Like when you're used to being the owner-operator, Right, yeah, you're used you to doing everything and you wear every hat and all of a sudden you have to transition to not wearing every hat. I think sometimes letting go of that control and really trusting that next round to come in and do that, it can be really hard for a lot of people, yeah. um, especially if you've done it for many, many years. Yeah, this is a good sort of, I'm gonna use this point to bring it back toward how it's relevant to our listeners as investors. Okay. And really what it comes down to is that as your life becomes more complex, your time gets restrained, or what I should say is your bandwidth gets more heavily taxed. Right. Okay. Uh, and the idea is when you don't have a ton going on, then you can apply your time to the places you want to. As you get busier with more commitments, then it is harder to maintain and manage all of those commitments. So at some point, you reach the time where you're no different than an entrepreneur the way you're managing your time. You pick and choose what you outsource. And there are little things that you can think about right now. Uh, maybe you have a housekeeping service. Or a yard maintenance. Yard maintenance is another. These are really common ones that occur in, especially if you've got kids and you just find yourself so busy, you think, well, when am I gonna do this? Or you start to, you don't get the yard service, but you resent every time you have to mow the lawn because you can never get away. Or you outsource your kids a little bit. You get a nanny that yep. takes them to and from soccer fields and yeah, other and, places. And I always said, it's funny because the, the term nanny, I always think Mary Poppins like, so you get somebody to live in your house and take care of your kids. But in this case, it could be just a it, you know, regular babysitter that's or not whatever a nanny, it is. That's an au pair. They're different. Yeah, see, <laughs> well, you're sophisticated and I'm not. Because uh, I've had an au pair and I've had a nanny and they're not the same thing. Okie doke. Well, I, you know, just had uh, the the gal in high school that you know when I was eight used to drive us to soccer practice or whatever so it is a different situation there it but, is a different situation uh, the the idea though is still we all outsource different parts of our lives or we bring in help for specific things that's exactly how entrepreneurs end up having to think as they grow and scale and what the real trick is is for them the entrepreneur to transition from the wear every hat do every job person to delegating out the tasks that are not the best use of their time. That is a, a skill that one develops. It's not necessarily intuitive or natural. And the hard part is if you're delegating away the task that you actually like to do, 
Yeah. Right. Like sometimes, I mean, it's one thing if you're like, oh, I hate bookkeeping. So I'll ha- I have no problem delegating that. But it's another thing if you're like, oh, I love meeting with clients. And then you realize that you're busy running the business and you don't have time to meet with your clients or your, you know, your retailers or whoever yeah. they are. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, I miss that part of my job. Yeah. So, so so there is a fatal flaw to that as a concept. You know what it is? What? The thing we talk about after the this break. break. Ah, there you go. Exactly. You got to stick around. So the entrepreneur that finds themselves not doing what they love in their business. What does that mean? We'll talk about that next in the context of your American dream. This and more when we come back. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 1240, KQEN. This is KQEN Local Talk at 4 on News Radio 1240, KQEN. All right, all right, all right. Okay, Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> Welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show, where I am not as good looking as M- Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> oh, that is not true. I am totally on the radio, though, so I look as good as you think I do. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm sorry, folks. I don't know what's going on with my voice, but I've noticed it has gotten really like raspy lately. I'm, I'm thinking it's allergies, but. I have no idea. So my voice has changed actually on the radio. She's going through uh, a Janis the, Joplin phase. I yeah. don't know <laughs> something. I was say this is your your late night radio voice. Is that what it is? Yeah, it's the so smoker it's a, voice your, without your, smoking. Your lingerie voice. <laughs> oh, so. there we go. We just want to make finance sexy. That's really what there we want to do. Go. Let me talk about fixed annuities. <laughs> oh, that was just a buzzkill right boo. there. Boo. Where's the boo button? Kyle, I need a boo button. Oh, man. Okay, so uh, I, I've said at the break, we were saying what happens, and Katie, you mentioned, so entrepreneurs, as they're, they're growing and then they find themselves doing stuff that maybe they don't like doing. So much. let's back up for a second. I think my personal experience is people that decide to become entrepreneurs or business owners on their own have a craft that they really love. And I think sometimes have been convinced by someone else that like, you should do this on your own. You can make more money. You know what you're doing. Yeah, I think that you have the skill. I think that happens with lots of entrepreneurs, but not all. Not all. You know, now, I, some people just have some, that spirit. Well, I know but, some people that were very deliberate. So they went out and said, you know, I want to start a business. These are the criteria of the business that I'm looking for and what I'm trying to design. And with great intention, went and created what they were looking to do. And then others, exactly as you described, took something that they loved and were passionate about and then tried to convert it into a business. And that's where I think what you're talking about. Well, it is. And and. The problem with some of that is you may be really skilled at what you do, but that doesn't mean that you're skilled at running a business. They're two separate things, right? Like if you were, let's say a plumber, for example, right? Like you may be great at plumbing. You know exactly what you're doing. You know all the fittings, everything by name. But like you talked about earlier, marketing, getting new clients, doing the bookkeeping, doing, you know, advertising, those are all parts of business that that may not be your sweet spot, right? Right. And then we were talking earlier before the show about outsourcing. Well, those kind of things can be outsourced. But what happens for this plumber, right, as our example person that's makeup, um, make-believe, I should say not makeup, but make-believe, is what happens when he gets so busy he stops doing the plumbing and stops doing the things that were his skill set in the first place or the reason he became a business owner? Well, he'll go broke. And why is that? Because the plumbing is what earns the money. Well, if he outsources it, like he hires other guys and he decides to, you know, train all these young guys to come underneath him and go out and do all the plumbing for him. 
But we were talking about passion. He'll, He'll lose his it, passion. It depends is the answer in this case. But but I, I'm gonna, I don't want to use a specific example in this one for good reason. Okay. I would just say you're an entrepreneur. You have a great skill set and there's a sweet spot that you love to work in. And you go to work and you realize that the requirements of running your business get you doing more of the stuff you don't like doing than the stuff that got you into business in the first place, the stuff that you were really passionate about. Right. And so plumbing's an interesting one because your example, I was just right, to right. Take a skill. But, if, but follow, follow along. I'll go with it. Okay. okay. So your plumber is uh, when they're plumbing, they're doing all the things that they need that that ring the register for them. Right. Afterwards, they have to do all the business documentation and so forth. As long as they get another client, it doesn't matter how they do, and they they're still plumbing. It probably works out okay. And actually, plumbers do pretty well. As right. far as uh, there's a long line of people waiting for plumbers right now, there's not a ton of them entering the business. This is one of those trades that I think is underserved, and it's kind of the micro jobs it out totally there. It totally is, the, like the, going the, into the actual trades yeah, versus so, worrying about the book smarts. Uh, so, so much, plumbers, but. electricians, uh, welders, those sorts are uh, sought-after skills now, so they're getting more and more attraction better compensation i should say they're getting better and better compensated for what they're doing so this plumber as long as they're able to keep doing jobs should be fine but let's say that instead they find themselves in a managerial position managing other plumbers they may really hate that and the problem is now what you were passionate about you're not able to do and then it becomes demoralizing right and this can happen for any entrepreneur but what I would tell the entrepreneur that starts a business is you need to follow along and figure out what are the things that are passionate about that you excel at and make sure that you're able to do more of those things and outsource the things that, that you're not passionate about to other people that that is their sweet spot. That's how you build a cohesive team and you start to leverage things up. If you're a terrible marketer, hire it out to somebody that loves marketing. Right. And then be good at what you do because it's really tough for somebody to market a product they don't believe in. So if you're a great plumber but you're a horrible person, <laughs> then you're still in a problem zone here. Like you better work nights and never interact with anybody because. Aww. But now that's just you know human hygiene. What can I tell you? Uh, or I should say personality hygiene is what it is. You just it's hard to be a jerk and do well no matter how talented you are unless you're a pro athlete because apparently we will excuse them for anything. I don't know. They're still getting fired and let go at times. So and appropriately uh, so. Yeah. Uh, so David, as an entrepreneur, what is one of the things that's in your sweet spot? Let our listeners in on the David life. Well, I think that there are probably two things that attracted me to the business that that I'm in, and that are are genuine sweet spots for me. Which are? One of them is the people side of the business. I was going to say, you love being client-facing. I love meeting with clients. I, I draw energy off of other people. So not like a vampire gross way. <laughs> uh, I mean that I just love being around people. So even when I'm tired, uh, I perk up when I get a chance to interact with others. And so for me... That is one of my favorite things. I love learning what makes people tick. Uh, I will. I, I'm not uncomfortable asking personal questions to people and genuinely want to know the answer. And so, getting to to know our clients and then getting to serve at that level where we're performing a service that they want and that we can do that to me is a, a real sweet spot for me. And 
I would like to believe that I am relatively intuitive about discerning what the real questions and issues are for our clients and helping really get to the core of what's important to them. So I want to speak to that for a minute um, because there is a part of our industry where we are to know our client. So even though it may seem like small talk or, you know, what's going on in your life at that moment, um, regulatory wise, we're supposed to know a little bit about our clients. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's it, you may think there's no importance to it. We're actually taking a lot of notes behind the scenes going, oh, look, they were talking about having a baby. They were talking about moving and buying a new home. Right. And you may think that it's not important to us or that we're just asking just to ask. But it's actually very important to us because some of the financial decisions that may get made down the road might depend on those little nuggets that you tell us in our yeah, meeting. Yeah, it's, it, it really is painting the, everybody's got sort of a different take on what they want their life to roll out as. You know, and some people it's, hey, I want bigger and better. Other people are like, hey, I really just kind of want my quiet little space. Some folks really want to travel someday, but you know, travel looks different to different people. Some folks, you know, I just want to get a fifth wheel and kind of go to the different places and really explore this country. Other people, I want to get on a plane and be in Europe. Uh, so I want the 40 foot yacht in the middle of the sea. Oh. You want you want bigger than forty, Katie. Let's be honest. Okay, hundred. Yeah, it's like but, forty know, foot is so cute. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but the baby you know, yacht. That's the baby yacht. Do 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 Sorry. Anyhow, the idea though is that yeah, we're we're peeling the layers back, but also there are funny things like. Uh, I like to watch how couples interact with each other, how they make decisions together, how they prioritize what is important and not important, how they weigh decisions against each other, you know, one risk versus another, and, uh, and how they balance or not balance each other. So those are all very important elements. So uh, I, I'm not a psychology guy. Like, I don't have that background at all. I'm just genuinely interested in people. So when you ask, that's one of the things I'm really interested in. Uh, the other one is appeals to my very nerdy research nature. And uh, I am guilty of when I have a project that I take on, I really throw myself into learning about the project and understanding how it's done. So I can't just go out and pour a bag of concrete. I have to learn all about concrete and uh, how it's mixed and where it comes from and what it's made with and what are the tensile properties. and where it is you know all by the this way i will stuff. attest to this because at one point you were considering concrete countertops in your yes. home yes and i remember you talking about what would have the smoothest surface and how to do it and how to make sure it turned out perfect and what color you wanted and you did you totally just threw yourself completely into a pet project right right and so this will be like well why are you so tired today well i spent all night researching concrete like are you kidding me like <laughs> no no that's totally... I'm, I'm not but uh, let's flip the switch a little bit for a minute what is one thing that you are happy to delegate as a business owner that you used to have to do? Uh, as goofy as this sounds, so bookkeeping was a huge one. Okay. Right. And I am, because I'm a Nazi about bookkeeping, right? It has to be to the penny. Everything has to balance oh, perfectly. Categorically, it has to be everywhere. And so... Uh, where an accountant might go, you know, the IRS allows you to round on this stuff. And so you can just make a little category and round off the $3 and it's fine. And I'm like, uh -uh. no, I want to know where it went. Yeah, I got to go back <laughs> nine months and go through 10,000 transactions to find the $1.97 mistake. You know, I, 
am that guy. And so it was became burdensome because I couldn't let it go. Uh, it's funny, the financial industry, there's so many moving parts to it that are unknowable, right? I, you just cannot know what the markets will do tomorrow. There's an unlimited number of variables. No computer has ever solved the equation. Nobody ever has got, had perfected it. And I had a, a, a partner I used to work with, and he used to say, don't you think if there was a way to solve it by now, China would have a thousand people in a room with no windows banging on computers and they'd have solved it? Oh, good point. And I was like, you know, it's a fair point. I think they would. Some think tank somewhere would have figured it out. People would have thrown right? insane amounts of resources at it to perfect it. And you can't because the very nature of a marketplace is that it exploitations are worked out of the system because people figure them out and they remove them. And then new exploitations occur because you've moved it around. So you're constantly moving the variables. So it's an unsolvable equation by virtue of what it is. Huh. So I can understand in the investment landscape that you have to, you know, you're shooting a moving target while riding a horse. You know, this is like the, the Star, Star Trek, Trek one. Yeah, what did Scotty he say? Is like, yeah. It's like trying to shoot... Uh, moving target on a horse, you know, backwards with a mirror, you know, yeah. like, like, yeah, this impossible shot. And that's what that's what trying to invest 100% perfect is. But bookkeeping wasn't bookkeeping can be perfect. So it would drive me bananas because it, it had to be and it took a lot of time. And what I found was it became a frustration because I had to spend the time doing the bookkeeping and I wasn't doing the sweet spot stuff, which was the research, the delving into the economics of the day the client facing uh, the meetings client facing meetings but not just the client facing meetings i mean we really do a lot of research and a lot of reading and a lot of projecting on how the market is behaving right because i think where our firm is different than many is that we do a lot of our own investment management internally so we make our own buy and sell decisions about things and we're not relying just on a third party mutual fund Right, so it's not a, oh sure, we hire somebody else for that, and if we don't like them, we fire them and get somebody else. Like, we do that for a handful of things where we can't produce a better result than our partners. Right. But for much of it, uh, it's all about efficiency. So in areas I can't add efficiency or economies of scale, we don't. But where we think that we can reduce costs and provide a net benefit to our clients, we do. And we also try to be tactical in nature, meaning I wanna know where the market is going. It's really hard for me to rationalize investing in fixed income today with ultra low interest rates. They could go even lower because the bond yields in Europe, for example, can be negative in some cases. So if you had a choice between losing money or putting money into a 10-year treasury and you're in Germany, what are you going to do? You, you may put your money, your Deutschmark, well, I guess it's you know your euros, and buy U.S. 10-year treasuries. And you'll have currency risk and other risks, but it's better than going backwards yeah. in, in the current investment markets in Europe. So that those are all economic realities that I pay attention to, but I still look at this and go, but where, even with more demand, how much lower can we push bond yields? So what's the risk-reward trade-off? And what would you do as an alternative if that's not attractive? And by the way, this is not investment advice for you. But I am telling you, this is how we analyze investment decisions in our office. And this is one of David's sweet spots, right? And we're talking about the Great American Dream. This this show. Right? Yeah, let's let's go back. But, but, let's, let's pull out of the weeds for a minute. You asked me these questions as an entrepreneur. 
as an entrepreneur, right? right? And part of, to me, part of the American dream is being able to be an entrepreneur. No, before I want to do something else. You know what? Our listeners, I think, want to hear this. Oh, This is not always the Dave Talks Forever show. (laughs) Yes, it is. Come on. (laughs) It shouldn't be. Katie, what do you think is your sweet spot? Oh, I know what my sweet spot is. Okay, I'm ready. (laughs) Do we have time? I was Um, just worried that we were going to... Run up against the clock a little okay, bit. Okay, you know what we'll do? Because our listeners want to know, too. We'll take a break. Okay. We'll come back, and Katie's going to tell us where her entrepreneurial sweet spot is. That and more when we come back. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. Got True Wealth on News Radio 1240, KQEN. Hey, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. And if you were just joining us, have I got... A question that you guys are going to be stoked for the answer to. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. All right. You know that Katie has been now the sidekick. We've been doing this for what, like four years or something? Longer. Oh, on the radio? On the radio. On the radio, yeah. At least four about, years. About yeah, four yeah. years. It's been surprising how it's just sort of rolled up. <laughs> and then you go, wow, how, how did that happen? What will really be something is we look back on like 10 years. We'll see if like, will they still let us on their radio? We better. Point? Like if we if we make it that far, we will. But if we make it that far, we better have some like super duper <gasps> giveaway. Well, what will happen is something party. Some wacky industry thing will be like, well, you can't do this anymore because it's not uh, legally compliant or something we'll like, oh, geez. But we'll hopefully not have to cross that bridge anytime soon. Right? That'd be nice. Okay. So the question is, now we, we, we got off track and we're going to bring this back home. We are going to talk today about the Great American, the great dream. American dream. But I think but, we kind of are because we're talking about entrepreneurs. Well, so we're, Yeah. So it starts with, well, entrepreneur is oftentimes part of it because that's been the traditional American dream. And we'll talk about that too, the traditional American dream and then the great American dream. Ah, okay. I don't think they're the same. But they might not be. Katie's Katie's quizzing me earlier on where's my sweet spot as an entrepreneur. And, you know, I'm not going to let you off the hook. <laughs> I want to know, where do you think your sweet spot is? And I'm going to say uh, it could be as an entrepreneur or my other favorite as an entrepreneur. Yes. So I have realized um, more or less when I started working for David, probably within the first year of working for David, but I have somehow morphed into the same type of job in four different industries now. And that I so I gravitate towards what I like and what is my sweet spot. So my sweet spot is working with upper management, right? And I don't mind having some control and some management, but I've realized I don't like being the one making all the decisions. So yeah, what the, she yeah, what she doesn't want is the liability. Right. No. <laughs> so it comes as like I like a lot of autonomy. I just don't want it to be my fault if it goes bad. All the time. <laughs> All the time. Well, and and interestingly so, so I've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs, um, and I've actually worked with my mom for a very long time, which by the way, it oh, is yeah. my mom's sixty fifth birthday today. What? She is totally okay with me introducing her age. Shout out to Crystal Unruh. Happy, happy birthday. She is out at the coast right now. Um, owner of Crate and Sip Studio here in town in Roseburg. And I have put her on blast. So I yeah, have everybody should uh, text go, her, call go her. to the Create and Sip's Facebook, Facebook page, page, right? Send her some so love. Roseburg Create and Sip and wish Crystal a happy birthday. And I will say Crystal is fantastic. And I had no idea when I when I hired Katie <laughs> that I was hiring her entire family. And what he means so. by that is he just kind of gets my family as a as a caboose right is a come along oh, like they are they're not on up. payroll like, yeah. but they will show up and yes. help out any way they can i and- swear if i called like a, a, a <laughs> office work day and it's like we just we need to go weed the 
you know, the parking lot or something, and Katie's folks would be there. Yeah. Like, how did this happen? Like, yeah. You well. do, they're just bonus. They're bonus <laughs> bonus staff that you don't actually have on payroll. They're just bonus. They're awesome. Um, but yeah, shout out to my mom, by the way. So my sweet spot has always, um, I think because I've worked with my mom for so long and have kind of been on her side, alongside of her for a very, very long time. My mom sold real estate for most of my life. Um, I've kind of learned that entrepreneurial spirit, but um, I've realized that my sweet spot is not working for a corporate chain. I don't like it when I'm kind of boxed in. And I think with my sweet spot, part of it is working for small businesses and entrepreneurs because I like wearing a lot of hats. I don't like having the same job or the repetition day in, day out of the same thing over and over again and kind of being chained to a desk. I know that may, sounds really bad. Um, it's just not my personality. It's not who I am. So I like to switch it up. So even though there is a lot of repetition in the roles that I do, my day is not the same day in, day out. Like it changes constantly. Um, I'm an event planner for Little John Financial Services, right? So if Truth. So any of the events that our clients have attended, I've planned. I like having that party planner aspect of my job, something David didn't know was going to be part of my job when I when he hired me. <laughs> um, I like marketing. I like talking to clients. I, I like a bunch you of... You like to talk? I know. That's why I make such a great sidekick on the radio. So, But I figured out it's not just in financial services. I've done it in the fitness industry. I've done it um, in the real estate industry. Um, I kind of end up morphing my job into my sweet spot unbeknownst to my poor bosses because <laughs> um, I'm willing to do other things too but but I think they understand too hopefully what a gem I am when they get me because I will take on things like QuickBooks. <laughs> I will take on bookkeeping. I am a box checker. So David oh, jokes this, around about this that. Is, yeah, this is not a standardized term, but it should be. Uh, so Everybody knows what a box checker is, right? right? I like my list. I like to check things off it's, of my yeah, list. Yeah, if you have a to-do list, it's got the little checkbox that you, you click so that it goes away on the computer. Right. Or it's like she likes to draw the line through it on a piece of paper. Right. Oh, so much satisfaction. The paper's better. Like, it's like she'll oh. write it down. She'll write stuff down she's already done just so she can cross it off. I totally I will. Totally admit it right you're making fun of me but i don't care it's totally true she's like i already did these six things today and i am getting credit for them like whatever you gotta do katie i'm not, I'm not judging by the way i totally get that from my dad my yeah. dad is a list guy right you call him up you ask him what's on his list and every day there's a new list of things to do and i'm a list maker and a list taker i love it i love my list so um so that's where i excel is um through paperwork and things like that because i like to be thorough and i like to check the boxes and so it it fills this weird need in me um, that I can't explain, but um, but I also in college um, I got my degree in industrial organizational psychology, and people are going, "What the heck is that?" Um, and e it's, even I'm going, "What the heck?" Yeah. is that? Just so we're clear, if you're so, if you're wondering, I'm also <laughs> scratching my head, like, is that a real degree? It is, <laughs> it is, and it's on my wall in my office. Um, no, and I've only found one other person that ever knew what that was because he had the same degree. It's. I was so interested in psychology and what made people tick and how they reacted to stuff. So I took all the psychology classes, but my roommate was in business major. And so I had all these business classes too. And what IO Psych Are does- you doing your roommate's homework? Practically, <laughs> I was grading her homework to help her get a better grade, but that's besides the point. The, um, it combines the two, right? So it's, it's figuring out, a lot of IO Psych's uh, degrees tend to be in HR. It's figuring out where people are placed best based on their personality and based on their performance. You know, introverts don't generally make great salespeople, right? People that True. are talking and extroverts make great salespeople, but they may not be great at paperwork. 
the introverts might be. And I'm I'm, I'm making assumptions right. here. Obviously, these are broad it sweeping I'm, I'm, strokes here. Right, sure. right. Not everybody's like that. But but going back to finding your sweet spot, it's understanding you as a personality, what makes you tick, and then gravitating towards that. And so I feel like I kind of have found my sweet spot in the fact that I. I love having a switch up in my schedule. I, I like being able to work and watch entrepreneurs grow um, and businesses grow. And I, I just like, like being part of the team. a job interview now. Like, well, and I also like the. <laughs> yeah. So the funny thing, speaking of job interviews, and I tell this story all the time, but um, when I was sitting in my job interview with David many, many moons ago, he sat down and he started listing everything he need. And I was so excited because I knew I was exactly what he needed, even if he didn't know it yet. But I was trying to figure out how to answer him quietly and calmly and not like jump out of my chair and <laughs> like, scare him this. to death, right? Like, I got this, I, I'm what you need. And he's like, oh my gosh, she's crazy. <laughs> but I was, I was just- And the rest is history. Trying so, to convey it. <laughs> so now I'm gonna ask the flip side of the question here, which is, what is not your sweet spot? I should say your entrepreneurial sweet spot. Like, like But where's- Where what are do the you, things do that I don't like thrive? to do? Yeah. I don't um, I don't like it when I feel chained to my desk as funny as that sounds and it's not necessarily a job or a task um, I once worked in a position where I was told basically like you're not allowed to leave your desk you need to stay there and I felt like my job description required me to be a little more flexible um, and that I wasn't allowed to and that actually made me really depressed me just the concept or the thinking that I wasn't allowed to leave my desk um, really bummed me out and that sounds kind of funny and I know I realize that's more of an emotional thing than like a physical task but um, I like knowing that I have the freedom to kind of do some stuff you know I don't want to be chained down so that's kind of a weird thing but that's my thing and I think you give me a lot of freedom probably more than I need but (laughs) it is a small office environment we wear many hats Yes. So that's that's uh, probably not my sweet spot. Um, that and when I have tasks that are very difficult and people that are not cooperating. Okay. So interesting because we're, I'm not going to delve into this one on the radio much, right? It's Those are features. Right. Right. So your sweet spot is fairly flexible. What you're saying is I just don't like certain restrictions. Right. But beyond that, well, I'm give good. it a shot. Yep. That, by the way, that is extraordinarily accurate in my experience. <laughs> uh, there are a few things that Katie would say, nope, not, it's not on the list. She is uh, pretty doggone uh, ambitious. And when I use the term entrepreneurial, right, we yeah. heard that like an entrepreneur. Uh, this is, to me, this is a tremendous compliment when I say this, by the way, that the folks that understand that within a small office environment, that the job description has this category that says other duties as assigned. <laughs> and that is really uh, an opportunity to create your ideal position. And the folks that figure out how to do that, I think they can go really far and they can really help an organization grow, provided that they're on the same wavelength with everybody and, and that's a cultural thing. Right. But uh, I think it's pretty accurate. There's there's not a lot of things, I've. There, Katie's never said to me like she is above doing something. And there have been times I've tried to not have her do that. She says, that's not how it works here. You know, every, <laughs> we, all, we all wear all these hats. And right. she says, if you're willing to do it, I'm willing to do it. So that's the, the trick. Yes. Uh, so look, let's do this. We got we got one more segment. We got to take a break. So we'll take it. And then when we come back, the remainder of the show is going to be developed 
designed around three pillars of true wealth and how we're going to get to that American dream. That when we come right back. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. Yeah, True Wealth on News Radio 1240, KQEN. All right, gang, home stretch of the True Wealth Radio Show. Uh, we have covered all kinds of ground today, and this, the last segment we're going to cover is the important one. Uh, so important that I've been challenged to maybe even do some writing about this. Ooh, that'd uh, be good. In your spare time. You know, in all that extra time. <laughs> so, Between midnight and 1 a.m. Yeah, well, who, sleep is really overrated. Overrated, okay. yeah. Sorry. So here's the thing. First of all, I talked about the American dream. And there's the traditional American dream, which I think is so related to the entrepreneur in its principle. I mean, for years, the traditional American dream was that, uh, and this really we saw in the immigration system was, you know, you can come to this country and it's a land of opportunity. You can work hard, you can create a business, you can grow it and create wealth and independence for yourself. And it's, it's far exceeds the opportunities in most other countries in the world. Right. And that's what made the calling for America so remarkable is that uh, can be anything you want. Right. That it was just this land of liberty and opportunity. You choose what's right for you. Right. Uh, there are probably some people listening right now or that may listen one day that are wringing their hands and swearing up and down that that is impossible. The system is rigged. It's not fair. It's not equal. It's not lots of things. And I'm not even going to challenge that there are times when that is true right i mean there are times when it's probably is true and at the same time i do not believe it diminishes the american dream uh and this is where i think it's really important to understand at one point there was a meme running around it wasn't a meme it's like a video online and it shows this idea that everybody's at a starting line for a race and then uh the person that's supposed to start the race says all right if you have these things step forward this many steps if you have these other conditions step back this many and then they did it two or three times and you realize that how all these people had different head starts from the original starting line right and then they said this is the way america works and i said you know there was one significant problem with that video which was it was not discussed and that is it assumes that everybody is running to the same finish line oh that is a good point right it we assumes do, the race is all the same but right. if we're not all doing the same we race we do not run the same direction we I, do not run to the same goal post or finish line well, we don't have the same dreams precisely everybody has a different dream this is the idea of liberty in this country and why you have some that are so fierce to defend the individual's right to choose as much as possible and if you consider that we're not all running the same race the equation looks very different so i say there's the american dream but there's also your american dream Right. And I love the fact that it's like life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Oh, yeah. It's, right? It doesn't so, say you guarantee you'll be happy. It's not a right. Happiness is not a right, just so right. we're very clear. Happiness is, you know, you have the right to attempt it, but it doesn't mean you'll succeed. And life is not fair, okay? And I can evidence some sort of saying, like, look, cancer is not fair. No. Right? That That's not fair, but it can still happen. Now, nobody says, like, somebody else. Well, sometimes, I guess, people say cancer is, you know, somebody's fault. And usually it's if it's... Uh, like corporate malfeasance or something yeah. where it's like yeah you know you got to pollutants and things like that where you go hey you know this probably wouldn't happen without it and you go okay 
And, and in which case, there's when we have the liability and attorneys and all that stuff. All right, where are you going with this? The point is, your American dream is going to be unique to you. Okay. And we need to look from a financial planning perspective at what that really means. And I think there are three pillars we talk about on the True Wealth Show indirectly, and I want to codify these today. Okay. Okay. Which are? There are three things that your American dream really needs to have, or I think you are destined to fail. One of them is you need to understand the difference between quality and quantity. Ooh. I, we talk, we've talked about this before. We talk about this a lot, but it's not necessarily more does not make it better. Right. Okay. And in fact, sometimes more stuff is just more stress, right? In fact, there was a song in the 90s, more money, more problems, right? <laughs> and if you, if you remember that, you'll get it. But it, money can be a tremendous resource, but it can be a tremendous burden if not properly managed. So quality over quantity. The next one, and this is probably the key to true wealth, is that experiences are more valuable than stuff. Right. People don't sit there and go, oh, I really loved my china cabinet. Yeah. They go, oh, I really loved that concert we we went to. We quickly adapt to stuff. You have it for a while, and then all of a sudden it doesn't mean much. And what do you need? More stuff to fill the hole in your heart. And it won't work. Think about the day you bought your first car or new car. Right, and then you're still driving that car four years later. Yep. You don't get into it and go, "Oh my God, I'm so excited! I have this car." Right. And then the one that I think is really key to finding happiness is the concept that it's more important to have quality relationships than transactional relationships. Right. Yes. You and and this is a term that was introduced to me by our local author. Seth Bueckley. I love him. Uh, Now, I don't think it's his term, but I'm going to borrow it from him. He says, be a net giver. Not meaning that you're going to give nets to people. (laughs) I mean, give more than you get. If you you give in excess of what you receive, and everybody did that, think about what it would look like. Give without expecting. I would say also give without expecting something in return. But see, that's how a relationship thrives. When it's a transaction, you're expecting something in return. And there are lots of ways to compare it. We'll explore it more. This is going to come up more and more on this show because we're going to to explore these over the coming weeks. But uh, between now and then, they call us by doing what? 541-375-0898. All right. So we would love to engage with you and your financial plan to help you find your American dream. We're out of time for now. So until next week, this has been David Littlejohn and Katie Shuck. And you've been listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240, KQEN.